It was about 600 B.C. that the Babylonian army conquered Jerusalem. When they did so, they destroyed the temple of Solomon and took the brightest young people Israel had as captives back to Babylon. Those young people are described in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 4, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge. So when Jerusalem was conquered then, they took the brightest young people they had as captives, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In about 538 B.C., the Cyrus, the ruler of the Medo-Persian Empire, captured the Babylonians. And in 536 B.C., he allowed the Jews to return back to Jerusalem. About 50,000 of them actually did. Some of them remained in Babylon because they had become comfortable there. But about 50,000 of them went back to Jerusalem. Their reason for going was to rebuild the wall that had been destroyed and the temple that had been destroyed. The Bible says in Ezra 1-2, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem. So Cyrus then allowed them to return. When the Jews returned to Jerusalem and began reconstructing the temple that had been destroyed, the Samaritans came and wanted to be a part of the project. The Jews, however, rejected. They said, you have nothing in common with us in building a house to our God. So when the Samaritans asked to be a part, they were rejected. And then the Samaritans turned to the king at that time and warned the king that he could not trust the Jews, that they were going to be a threat to him, that he ought not allow them to rebuild. And the king listened to the Jews and the work was stopped. So when the 50,000 had returned to Jerusalem, they came back to rebuild the wall and to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed, but now the work is stopped. And that leads us to the book of Haggai. Because Haggai was encouraging the people of Israel to complete the work that they had begun. So take your Bibles, turn with me to Haggai chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. In the second year of Darius the king... On the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time? For you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. 
and he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I call for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. Now, as I look at this passage of Scripture and as we examine it today, it seems to me that there are three mistakes the Jews had made. First of all, they misunderstood the times. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you are going to have any impact on history, it is imperative that you understand the uniqueness of the time in which you live. Each time is unique. Each season is unique. And it is imperative that we understand the times in which we live if we are going to impact history. Jesus even emphasized the importance of knowing the time. In Luke chapter 12, verses 54 through 56, he said, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, A shower is coming. And so it turns out. And when you see a south wind blowing, you say it will be a hot day. And it turns out that way. You hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not analyze this present time? You see, folks, Jesus is saying to us it is important for us as the people of God always to understand the times in which we live. Why is that important? Because if we do not understand the times, then we establish wrong priorities. And that is precisely what happened to the Jews. You see, when they returned to Jerusalem, their priorities were right. They were going to rebuild the destroyed city. They were going to rebuild the destroyed temple. So they came back with right priorities and they rebuilt the wall. Nehemiah led them in rebuilding the wall. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 and 17, the Bible says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I said to them, You see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire? Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. So Nehemiah got to the people and he says, we need to rebuild the wall that has been broken down. Now, I have seen the ruins of that wall that Nehemiah built. So they came back committed to rebuilding the wall that had been destroyed. Then Ezra came and led them in laying the foundation for the temple. And the Bible says in Ezra chapter 3 verse 11, And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now, what I want you to understand here is that when the Jews came back, their priorities were right. They understood the times. They understood the opportunity. They understood the urgency of the hour. 
And when they came, they were committed to rebuilding the city of Jerusalem and the temple that was destroyed. But then the work was neglected. Look at verse number 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Sixteen years passed since they had laid the foundation of the temple. They came with great excitement. They came with right priorities. But now then, 16 years has passed and nothing else has been done. All they did was to lay the foundation. How did that happen? Well, I think they probably rationalized that they had not totally recovered from Babylonian captivity. They had been in captivity to Babylon for a long time. and They hadn't recovered financially, economically. All. They had not quite recovered. Now, they did not say, we are not going to rebuild it. They just said, not now. This is just not a good time to do it. And they lost the urgency of the opportunity. They lost their vision. Does that happen to you? That sometimes you lose the urgency of vision, you lose the urgency of opportunity? Sure it does. The Apostle Paul spoke to Felix and talked to him about the Lord and the importance of giving his life to the Lord. And as Felix listened, he was convicted of his need. But then he said, you know, when I have a convenient season, I will call for you. He didn't say, I'm never going to commit my life to the Lord. He just said, when, when another time comes around, when there is a convenient season, then I will call for you and we'll talk about this again. Folks, it's my belief that there are some of you and the Holy Spirit has dealt with your hearts about your relationship to the Lord. The Holy Spirit has dealt with some of you about a call on your life. And it's not that you said, I'm never going to do it. It's just that you have replied, well, this is not the time to do it. You know, things are not all worked out. There's some recovery that I still need to do. And I think that's what the Jews saw. They had not recovered from their Babylonian captivity. Also, they had a legal problem because the prohibition against rebuilding uh, Jerusalem had not been lifted. So this couldn't be the time. Matthew Henry wrote, there is an aptness in us to misinterpret providential discouragements in our duty as if they amounted to a discharge from our duty when they are only intended for the trial and exercise of our courage and faith. You see, what happened to them? The same thing that happens to us. They came with great commitment, excitement, enthusiasm. They're going to rebuild the city. They're going to rebuild the temple. But now they lose their vision. They lose the urgency of the moment because they did not understand the time. And the Bible says, as a result, they suffered the judgment of God. Look at verse number 9. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why? Why? declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. In other words, they were suffering because of their neglect. Look what happened. They were given seed, but it wasn't blessed in verse number 6. He said, you have sown much, but harvest little. They sowed expecting a great harvest, but they reaped little. 
Henry also said that poverty which they thought to prevent by not building the temple God brought upon them for not building it. So they thought that they were going to avoid poverty by not building the temple, and they suffered poverty because they did not build the temple. It reminds me of my dad when I was a, a boy. Never forgotten this, and I appreciate the fact very much that he taught me this when I was just a little boy. But he said, Wendell, it is better to have God's blessings on the 90% than to have the 100% without His blessings. That's exactly what you see there. They were given seed, but it didn't come to much. And then he continues in verse number 6, You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. They never had enough. It was never adequate. Whatever they had, it just wasn't enough. He continues on. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. Their clothes were inadequate to keep them warm. He continues, and he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. They had holes in their pockets. They earned money, but it just seemed like it was gone. I mean, the money was always gone before the month was. Do you have that problem? I mean, you run out of money before you run out of month. Well, that's what happened to them. And that's what the Lord is saying. You, you see, I've given you seed, but it isn't blessed. You have bread, but it isn't enough. You buy clothes and they wear out. You, you, you earn wages, but they are not enough. They misunderstood the times. They misunderstood the time in which they lived. Their priorities were wrong. They put off that that was important. The second mistake I think they made is that they misjudged their trials. Now, there's some bad things happening to them, but why? I'm sure that they got around the coffee pot and talked about that. Why, why, is, why are these bad things happening? Well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe it's um, times are hard. Or, the, or we haven't had any rain this year. You know, the, the crops are not growing. Maybe it's just bad luck. But they discussed why things were going the way that they were. And look at verse number 5. Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Look at verse number 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You know what God is saying to them? You ought to really ask the question, why is this happening? Now, they probably were passing it off by saying, well, you know, it's just hard times. Just bad luck. Bad weather. And God said, you really need to reflect on this. You need to think about this. Now, why had these things happened? Because they had ignored the Word of God. As a matter of fact, 27 times in the book of Haggai, he indicates that the message he is giving is from God. The message I'm giving to you is from the Lord, he says. Why is the Word of God so important? Well, first of all, because it exposes our excuses that we rationalize. Again, look at verse number 2. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says, The time is not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. I mean, they said, Oh, this is not the time for us to, to build the house of the Lord. I mean, my house needs painting. 
I need to remodel my house. I have not recovered from being in exile. Now, I need to take care of these things that have been neglected all these years. I don't have time. This is not the time to build the house of the Lord. You see, the Word of God, folks, if we read the Word of God, it exposes our excuses and it searches our hearts. Look at verse number 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses while this house lies desolate? You see, the word of God always reveals what's in our heart. Does it not? This means yes. Absolutely. The word of God reveals our hearts. That's the reason probably sometimes we don't like to read the Bible. Because it reveals what's in our heart and it interprets our experiences. In verse number 6 when he says, you sown much, harvest little, eat, there's not enough. Uh, You have put on clothing, no one's warm, earns wages, and it's like you got holes in your pockets. Now they would have understood that had they understood the Word of God. Had they gone to the Word of God, had they listened to the Word of God, had they ordered their lives after the Word of God, then they would have understood why these experiences were happening to them. They also not only neglected the Word of God, but they also neglected worship in verse number 8. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You know, folks, oftentimes we think worship is coming to church on Sunday morning and and uh, having a good time and, and feeling good when we leave. Maybe that's a part of it. But that's certainly not all of it. You see, when you're talking about worshiping the Lord, you're also talking about serving the Lord. You're, you're also talking about sacrificing sometimes for the Lord. So it's more than just coming and feeling spiritual. It's easy for us to come on Sunday morning and listen to this wonderful choir and participate with them and feel spiritual. But worship is more than that. So what the Lord says to them is, look, you need to reflect on this. Why are these things happening to you that they might reform, that they might change? One commentator wrote, considering our ways must issue in the amending of whatever we find amiss in them. Look again at verse number 8. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. In other words, we are to put God first. He is the priority of our life. That's why there's the first fruits, the first day, so forth. We put God first in our lives. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. We are not honoring the Lord unless we put Him first, unless He is the priority in our life. Folks, we don't honor the Lord when we take the Lord's day and use it for ourselves. It's the Lord's day. And the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some as some is. And so we give the Lord the first day of worship when we come together, symbolizing that every day belongs to the Lord. And the same thing is true with our tithe. We don't honor the Lord when we take the tithe that is His and we use it for ourselves. So they misjudge their trials. Why are these bad things happening to us? Well, you know, maybe it's just bad luck. I don't know. Times are hard. God says, no, you need to reflect on that. You You need to consider this. Consider your ways that you might reform, that you might change. Third thing is that they had misplaced their trust. They had neglected the things of God 
because their trust was in the wrong place. Now, here's where we get to the good part. Haggai pointed out their sin. He said, look, you need to reflect on this. You need to think about this. Why are these things happening? And so he pointed out their sins, and they repented of their sins and returned to God. That's what you see in this passage of Scripture. When Haggai speaks to them and points out what is happening and says, Consider your ways, says the Lord. They did so, and they returned to the Lord. Now look at verse number 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God in the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people showed reverence for the Lord. Do you see that repentance and how it worked there? Began with the politicians, Zerubbabel. Well, wouldn't that be wonderful if we saw our, our politicians repent? The politicians repented, but then did you notice next that the prophet repented? Joshua. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the men in the pulpits repented and we really committed ourselves to the Word of God no matter what it says? The politician repented, the prophet repented, and then it says, you look there in verse number 12, it says the people repented. They followed the leadership of their leaders. In verse 12, it says they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. As a result of the prophet, as a result of the politician, the Bible says that the people repented. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. It says, and the people showed reverence for the Lord. And there was repentance. I mean, the prophet pointed it out. He says, you need to consider your ways. Look, why are these things happening? Because you've neglected the Word of God. Because you've neglected the things of God. And the Bible says, then there was repentance, and then their spirit was stirred up within them. Look at verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Matthew Henry wrote, when God has work to do, He will either find or make men fit to do it and stir them up to it. Now then, as I look at these people, I see that their hearts are right with God. They are excited about their duty. They had come back for the purpose of rebuilding the temple, but then they neglected it for 16 years. Nothing happened. And now they are excited again. They are excited about the things of God again. They are stirred up about the things of God. And they are encouraged. Look at verse number 13. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. Isn't that interesting that they went from this is not the time to being excited about rebuilding the temple? Why? What was the encouragement? Because the Lord said, I am with you. I am with you. Ladies and gentlemen, when we have that confidence that God is with us, then there's excitement in what we're doing. That was true with Moses when the Lord called Moses and said, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses said, Lord, I can't do that. I am not qualified. I don't speak well. And God said, Moses, don't worry about it. Why? I am with you. 
When the Lord called Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet to my people. I want you to share my message with them. Jeremiah said, Lord, I can't do it. He said, I am too young. I am too inexperienced. No one's going to listen to me. And the Lord says, Jeremiah, don't worry about it. I am with you. May I say this to you? Whatever God tells you to do, and make sure it's from God, whatever God tells you to do, do it. And He will be with you. When you're in God's will, you don't go alone. When you are walking within the will of God, ladies and gentlemen, you are not alone because the promise of God is that He is with you. So they were encouraged. The Bible says that their spirits were stirred up. God's promised that He is going to be with them, and they went to work. Look at verse number 14b. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Now, let me say this because I think this is important. God's call and God's encouragement does not eliminate your responsibility of work. See, a lot of times we want to sit around and say, well, praise the Lord and do nothing. God gave them a call. He encouraged them by saying, I am with you. And the Bible says that they went to work. That's what you see with Nehemiah in chapter 4, verse 6. So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Was it God's will that they build the wall? Yes. Did God stir them up to build the wall? Yes. But did they still have to do the work? Yes. We built the wall for the people had a mind to work. Let me conclude. We ought to take the admonition from the Lord today and consider the time. Are we allowing God's work to be undone because the economy's tough. Are we allowing the economy to keep us from reaching the world with the gospel? Are, are we losing our vision? Are we losing our urgency? Because the economy's tough. We need to consider our ways. Are we compromising the Word of God because there is hostility towards the gospel today, towards Christians today? And rather than offend anyone, rather than upset anyone, that we sort of move through the Bible, leaving out those parts that might be offensive to someone. Consider your ways. And perhaps we should ask the question, why are all the bad things happening to us today that are happening to us. I mean, you know, it's just like I do. There are a lot of challenges facing us today. Why? Is it because we have also neglected the Word of God? Is it because we have neglected the Word? That we have neglected real worship? Could that be the reason? Because if it is, then the call is to reform. It is to return to God and put our trust in Him. Is your trust in the Lord? 
That's a question that I need to ask, and that's a question the church needs to ask, and probably a question you need to ask. Where is your trust? Is it in the God of gods and the Lord of lords? Or is it somewhere else? And if it's in something else, it's in the wrong place. So today, let me ask you to return to the Lord. Our Father in God, we come to a time to consider our ways. And perhaps to ask the question, why are all these things happening? Is it because we have neglected your word? Is it because we have neglected worship? Father, I pray that you'll help us put our trust in you, that we might simply do it. Put our trust in you and walk with you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. When we do, let me ask you, do you know the Lord Jesus? If not, would you commit your life to him today? The staff will be here to receive you. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. If you want to be a part of this church, if God's put that in your heart, we'd love to have you. Do it today. Stand with me, please, as we stand. The choir sings as they sing. You come. I'll greet you as you do.